Right then, on this week's show, we have Crayon from Taiwan. And we've got lots to talk about in this show because he has uh, a very, very in-depth experience within crypto and different sectors within crypto. So it's going to be absolutely fantastic to delve down into those. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to you, Crayon, to just tell us a bit about how you got into crypto and and briefly what you are specializing in as we speak. Sure. Chris, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I got into crypto in 2017. I was aware of cryptocurrency in the form of Bitcoin. I think like most people were um, 2017, probably like 2000, early 2000s, I was studying university in the States and I saw an article about Bitcoin. And so I'd always known about it. And one of the days I saw something about Ethereum and they were like, yeah, this is all the steps you need to do to sort of start mining Ethereum. And back in 2017, there was no Hive OS or Ministat or any of these like software solutions where you can just sort of plug in a USB or like a nice hash OS as well. There was nothing easy. Um, you had to, you know, build your mining machine. You had to write some code in some ways, right? And you had to compile everything and get it started. So um, I started with that mining Ethereum in very, very hot Taiwan, which was not great for GPU mining, let me tell you that. Um, and then I, I got into crypto then. I stacked up some Ethereum. I never did anything with it. I was like, okay, this is cool. I never looked at Binance or any of the other exchanges. And then only probably like three years later, like 2020, um, I was chatting to my wife. I'm like, oh, you know, we should probably do something with this. And so we both started trading at the same time on Binance because we have Coinbase here in Taiwan, but it's not a popular exchange. Um, Binance has the most availability in terms of coins and options and staking and that sort of stuff. And pretty much after that trading, then I started expanding in terms of mining as well. Because uh, I had only started mining with four GPUs in 2017, and then we expanded a bit more. We're not big miners just because of time and stuff, but we're about like 32 GPUs here in Taiwan, which is very small compared to the other, because we're the land of like Asus, MSI, Gigabyte, so we get graphics cards here. And then I'm, I started working crypto in 2021 um, for an index token company called Omen, which is based in New York and Zurich. And then here I am now talking to Chris. This is going to be a really interesting podcast. You are the first <laughs> miner that I've had on the podcast. But, uh, I mean, you're, 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 the, the name is like mine easy. I would assume I'm probably like the 100th miner on your podcast. No, I mean, we just generally talk about crypto, uh, you know, as a whole on this podcast. But no, you are the first, which is great to have you on the show. And obviously we can talk a little bit, a bit about mining. So how have you found it, you know, since you went into it, have you found it profitable? Has it been good for you? Um, you know, like I started mining, like Chris and I were talking before the show listeners that, you know, I started mining Ethos at $70. So at that point, when I started mining, um, I mean, in terms of return and income, it wasn't a lot, probably like about in US dollar terms, probably about $4 a day or so. And that's just because of hardware costs. After hardware was paid off, that shot up a little bit. It's, it's been good. Um, I, I've not lost money on it. 
but it's it's been like like right now mining i believe the last time i checked like what to mine.com um, your base sort of profit on ethereum after Taiwanese electricity rates is probably like a dollar 70 per day which is not great so what what are you mining with then what what gpus are you mining with um oh god a lot um i'm mining with a bunch of 1660 supers probably like eight of those a bunch of older 1080 gtx's those are the worst because those they give me headaches because of heat here in taiwan a bunch of 3060s probably 10 of those and then um, some amd cars as well so in Taiwan, can you get the cards cheaper then? Because obviously that's where they're manufactured. Can you get, a, what, what does a 3060 cost over there? Before COVID, we could. After COVID, not anymore. Before COVID, you probably get off like, a, like an Amazon MRC, MSRP price. You probably get like 50 to 100, $200 off before COVID. Now we still, we pay more. Um, so like, I don't know, I haven't looked at prices recently, but. And we still pay more, again, about the same amount, about $200 over MSRP on cards right now. Wow. So it's still premium over, over there, even while you're manufacturing them. Yeah, it is. It's not, not great. And it's the, the whole, like, like it's June here and it's already that the temperature is, feels like 38 degrees Celsius um, and it's about 32. And the hottest month is usually like August to July. So I've already had issues with, like my 1080 is shutting down in the one place where we have our miners. So that is a headache I have to fix at some point. What do you run your server room at that? What do, what do you tend to run it at? In terms of temperature? Yeah. Um, we do not run it. <laughs> um, we have a whole bunch of industrial size fans in uh, an apartment in Taiwan, in, in what's called like Taiwan's windy city almost. So there's a lot of natural airflow in there. So it's fine. It's been running like this for the last year or so. It's the 1080s themselves are pretty old cards. Um, so I think that is where the issue is that we have to replace them. Yeah. I mean, we run ours generally at about 30 degrees. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, we've got good airflow down at the, at, at the farm. So the max our, our server rooms go to is about 30. So we're about... Well, actually, no, I don't even need to guess. I can just check on my phone. Our because we have two different two farms at two different locations. The the one that I'm talking about is at 59 degrees Celsius. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. I'd be having panic attacks. Oh what? Oh I'm gonna have panic attacks when it comes August because I've seen they 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 go up to like 70s. At, at end times, so it's it's not great. That's one good thing about the UK, and obviously we crack the electric scenario because we generate our own electric on the farm via Manusa, via an anaerobic digester. So it's a good location to to mine from. So, I mean, obviously it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the future of mining. We have the end of ETH coming soon. Really, just depend on how many ASECs are out there as to how many compared with how many gpus as to how that's going to affect the earnings on on the gpu mining no one actually knows i mean there's quite a few people that have modeled it i mean because the payouts at the moment on leaf a day are about 21 million dollars and we're just going to have to see just how many of that is asx because obviously all the asx are going to go to classic etc mm -hmm. which obviously then the earnings of classic is going to go down and then obviously the rest will 
we distribute it between Flux and Fyro and Ravencoin and, uh, and stuff like that. So it is, it is going to be an interesting one. I mean, we're in it for the long term. We believe proof of work of a proof of stake, as long as you're green and efficient. Uh, proof of work is far superior from a point of view of security, and it can't be manipulated as easily. And uh, obviously, that's kind of where we're at on it. So what happens to ETH after with ETH2 is going to be interesting. Um, Definitely. Because the price can be manipulated a hell of a lot easier. And as we're seeing, you know, the, the prices of the others are, you know, when Bitcoin moves a little bit, the others just move massively and they're moving obviously in the wrong direction as we speak. So that brings me on to the state of the markets. Let's have a chat about it because obviously everyone's, there's quite a few people panicking. There's quite a few people saying, hey, I told you so. And obviously, I think uh, we just need to get it into context with what's actually happening as we speak. Now, price is an advertising mechanism, as I was speaking to you before. Effectively, we're just in an auction when we're looking at these, these coins. And for us, we're seeing it as a, a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity as these come down and be revisited uh, the prices that they're at, they were far, far extended, too far extended out there. And obviously there are people that have bought at the top and obviously in that instance, people have lost. But I'd like to just point out, I've been investing in the banking industry. I've traded since I was 18, which is over 30 years. And Amazon went down as it's been going up when it first launched, went down by 80% five times now wow. obviously if jeff had sold at the on the dip side panicked and gone i'm going to get out of this so to speak he wouldn't be the richest man in the world today so my point is is if you believe in something that is a great protocol obviously timing is very very important ideally you want to be getting in now when effectively your risk is the least if you're buying Bitcoin at 67,000, as an example, your risk is at the highest. Yeah, you might think it's going to go to 100,000, but now the risk of it going lower is a lot less than when it was at 67,000. Now, my personal opinion is I think it's going to come further down. I think 21,600 is, is a, an area of support that does need to be defended. So we'll see how, how that happens. We are seeing liquidations, obviously, with people that have collateralized their Bitcoin and ETH, which obviously these liquidations are because they're automatic, they spiral out of control and they do push the price down. And that's what's happened with uh, ETH over the last few days. Obviously we've got a few issues in that we've got Celsius that's said, you know, you can't get your money out and you've got Binance that temporarily stopped withdrawing. So effectively this is stopping a run on, on the bank so to speak, i.e. the bank of, of crypto. And obviously, if you look at all this, you're thinking, oh my God, this is horrendous. But then if you actually look at the underlying fundamentals behind the different projects that are good, and it is very, very similar to the dot-com era in that 98% of these projects are going to disappear overnight and 2% are going to go to the moon. Now, obviously, that's the hard bit is picking the one that's going to go to the moon. 
i.e. the Microsofts, the Apples, the Googles, and the, the Amazons of Web2. Flux is a prime example. I believe in Flux as a project. Uh, it's proof of work. And it, it's gone right up, and obviously it's come down like the others. But they haven't stopped with the good news, i.e. underneath the fundamentals, i.e. we're now at 12,000 nodes. We're now potentially can launch an app via geo coordinates. So you can say, right, I want an app that's only going to be in a certain area of the, of the world. It's going from strength to strength. So Flux is going to come back when the market comes back, but it'll come back harder. And, and that's the point to take from this is basically you have to be in the really, really good protocols. And if you're not, which brings me on to passing it back to you, then as a very wise person once said, which was, I'm going to quote Warren Buffett, when everyone asks, you know, what should I do? What should I do? What should I invest in? He always would return back and say, just DCA into the S&P 500. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm a big fan of DCA because obviously that's why we're into crypto mining because I just see that as a 24-7 a DCA. Even when we're not profitable, I'm looking at the future going, Basically, I'm acquiring the coins at the right price, i.e. at the best average price. Effectively, if you think about how we acquire the coins within mining, it's always at the best average price. So DCA is the same. Well, you need an index for crypto. And a little bit tells me that a certain someone has a, a, a lot more knowledge than me. So I'm going to pass it to you and tell, tell me more about indexes and what you do sure so i mean it's, it's not exactly what i do but it's the company that i work for they do crypto indexes um they're currently have three one is for DeFi, like ethereum based erc20 it has like a link and graph and it's an auto rebalancing index so on the first business monday of the month it will rebalance based on a set criteria it's usually like liquidity and, and a bunch of other different factors. And then you get exposure to a bunch of different projects. You're always getting exposure to, okay, liquidity in the graph is X amount. So today it's in, uh, like I, I, like last week, the Frex was out and then Loopring V2 was in, uh, that's one. We have a Polygon index as well. That we're just relaunching that because that's gonna have, that will probably have like 15 different projects that we relaunch it. Um, and then we have a Solana index as well and uh, basically it's just an easy way for people to get into crypto it's something that i i set up for my 74 year old mother and i'm like oh you know oh i see you start working crypto oh can i do this and i was like um do you want to try and i sent her a tutorial like this is how you open metamask she's like no take some money do it all for me and then she tell me every month what's going on and that's what i do so yep pretty much an index is just an easy way if you have i think every crypto person has those crypto friends so like yeah i want to get in but MetaMask is too difficult, or KYC on Binance, or Coinbase, or KuCoin is too difficult. Um, it's just easy. So you make, you make it easy. And you, your website for that is amunfenormanintic.com. Yes, amun.com. Awesome. And people can learn more about that and go to the app as well. So basically, mm -hmm. you can connect the wallet. You've got the three networks now, Solana, Polygon, and Eve. Yep. And obviously at the moment we've got the market going down, which obviously is when we when we should be looking. 
to potentially DCA in. So I see, I'm just looking at this one. Am I right in saying the Solana one's got 236K in market cap? Yeah. So, and then the, the Polygon's got 184 and 97. So these are new ones out there that, that uh, are, are, are on the way. So Polygon launched last in October, but uh, we've just, we got a new index methodologist and uh, she's redone the methodology for it. And we're going to have a vote on it, I believe, sometime this month, a community governance vote. And then we will relaunch because we'll relaunch with a whole bunch more projects inside. And then the Solana launched earlier this year and the DeFi one launched the beginning of 2021. That's the oldest. Cool. Now, question for you. Do you charge transaction fee then? Is that how you make your money? Because obviously you need to make your money a certain way. So they charge a streaming fee. A what? Streaming fee. What's a streaming fee for our viewers? Uh, a streaming fee is, well, how do I even explain this? Um, it's like a fee we charge. I think perhaps I'm not the best person to explain this. Okay. Is it a little bit like a management fee? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So obviously, yes. um, I mean, in our industry, in funds as in, in investment banking, if you had a fund and it's 100 million, and we increased the fund by 120 million, by 12%, as in, as in 12 million of 100 million, sorry, then we would earn money on the 12 million, uh, i.e. performance fee. So we get, say for instance, the industry standards generally about 20%. So then we, we'd get 20% uh, of the 12 million. Is it kind of like that, so to speak? So, so to speak, yes, because we foot the bull for rebalances. So every time, especially in Ethereum, Maybe not now, but you know when the when the network was at its hype, you know every time it rebalanced, there were you know thousands of dollars of gas fees were paid as we're swapping out the different tokens and allocations and amounts. Um, but yeah, yeah, just just like a managed fee, fee, but we don't charge. We haven't charged any in 2022 yet. Uh, we're supposed to start charging in 2023. I see. So obviously you've got to take into account the fees because obviously the fees could. I see now from a point of view of why you only rebalance once a month. Because obviously, if not, you're going to be hit with a lot of e-fees. That is definitely an issue as well. And swaps and slippage as well. Um, it's, it's all even in Polygon where it's cheaper. The cost can still add up as you're rebalancing and reallocating. Right. That's, uh, that's an interesting one, is that? So that brings me on to my, my next question. Which one are you? Positive on which one are you thinking? Hey, if AI only had to pick one, which would you pick for the future? As in terms of networks or protocols? Yeah, networks, protocols, because obviously it's not a case of, oh, I think this one's going to make more money. Because ultimately, the, 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 the network, as I see it, that's most successful is going to be the Amazon. As in, you know, that's where you're going to see your return, not, oh, well, well I think we're going to make another 20% on this one. I think, I think it's a case of, what do you think to what's happening? I mean, obviously, at the moment, we've got Solana, which is it's had a few outages. ETH, obviously, they just put back ETH2, ETH2 all the time. ETH2 is not really even ETH2 uh, from a point of view. There's actually going to be no performance benefit when ETH2 comes along because it doesn't have sharding. We're going to have to wait until sharding comes along. So it's like, really, ETH2 is just purely for the big banks, for the big investors, for the staking side of things. So as I see, it's not going to, it's not going to affect the fees. And until sharding happens, 
we're not going to see an improvement in ETH. In fact, I actually think potentially you might see ETH pull back because I think you'll see quite a few people that have staked the money release the money. And it's going to be a different scenario from a point of view with the miners. The miners, in one sense, give stability in the price because obviously if they can see you know, that there's a future, so to speak, they've been holding on, as in they're not cashing out. Obviously, there's a lot of protocols where people mine and cash out, IZ Cash is an example, because they can't see any use case for that other than I want to mine and I want to get some cash out. Whereas ETH obviously got smart contracts. It's got, it's got quite a lot going for it. But I think there will be some down pressure on the price. Solana, I definitely think there's a, an issue with the uh, reliability. But they're in beta, and I think everyone just needs to remember that. And obviously, we're now at 7 million users on Solana. So we've seen some really positive stuff. Got a lot of transaction fees, and now got the NFT um, market taking off. So that's my take on you know, where we're at with these. What's yours? I don't know too much about Polygon, to be honest. Um, I would say like my take would be similar to yours. I might diverge in a few different areas. Like when it comes to, you know, ETH, the merge, the merge is better. You know, like they said, don't call it ETH 2.0 anymore, call it the merge. So when the merge happens, right, they said August, and then Tim Pico from the Ethereum Foundation was like, actually, I'm not sure if we're going to make August or not. So that pushes back sharding as well. And sharding was where, as Chris mentioned, you know, is where we're going to get the performance improvements and, you know, boost from that, what, like seven to 15 transactions per second to something much higher. But then, as you know, you've made a very good point as well, Chris. Like, you go to, I forgot what is that pooling site for Ethereum miners, and you can see like there are like three hundred thousand something on Ethereum miners processing transactions on the network. Whereas you go to Solana's website and you check validated nodes, right? There's like seventeen hundred or something like that. That is why, I mean, it's the upside of being centralized is you can get that high TPS, right? Transactions per second is you're more centralized, and when bad things happen or, you know, the, the double spend things or whatever, you know, I've heard people saying, you know, it's all NFTs are causing Solana issues, whatever it is. So everyone can shut down and then restart again. So it's, it's great. I think Ethereum is definitely going to be around. I've used the Amazon comparison or analogy before. I mean, just because you look at OpenSea and as much as OpenSea is expanded to Polygon, expanded to Solana, you know, there's still the majority of their NFT traffic is still there. I think even I think when I was looking at the markets this morning and people were like, oh, NFT volumes have gone down by like $350 million or something like that. Um, but it's dumb. I mean, NFT traffic volume is still at like $500 million, something like that. That's still, that's still good. Um, so OpenSea, Curve, Uniswap, SushiSwap, all those Ethereum sort of platforms built on top of Ethereum are still there. I don't foresee Solana catching up in that space. And uh, the thing that's got me worried in the last sort of like 24 to 48 hours, we've had such a large number of people lose their life savings or savings and stuff. I believe we sort of set back mainstream adoption of crypto back to 2020 levels, maybe. And that's just my theory in my head. I could be totally be wrong, but it's just something I'm worried about. If I haven't mentioned this, I'm a community manager, right? I deal with the customers of Amun and I've just heard stories from customers. Oh, my friend lost his money, blah, 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 blah. And when someone has a bad experience, right? It's not like Chris. Chris is like you're a believer in the fundamental technology behind cryptocurrency decentralization. I'm the same way. I started that way, right? So I'm you're in it for the long term. I'm in it for the long term. 
a lot of, of retail consumers were like, okay, I, I'm working at Japanese McDonald's, I get $10, $20 extra per month. I, I need to figure out a way to grow my money. And I'm, I'm putting it in, in Cardano, I'm putting it in Polygon. And, oh yes, I, I, I 10X to 3X to 5X. Wonderful, but then, oh my God, no, I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm out, I'm down, I've, I've lost everything. So um, as far as networks, Ethereum, to answer your question, I think Solana, definitely for NFTs, because it's the most accessible NFT market. All these sort of big time NFTs are really like, like Moonbirds and that sort of stuff are pretty expensive for regular people. Solana, one or two F to mint a new project is pretty affordable. Maybe Steppen is probably like the opposite of that, 13 F, 13 Solana for a sneaker, which is, I guess Solana prices now is pretty good. So I think, yeah, those three, Cardano, not 100% sure. Charles Hoskinson talks a good game. Very, very, like he does the best sort of marketing communication, I believe, in terms of crypto. He could um, be the dark horse. Yes, okay. yes, exactly. That coin has obviously underperformed for quite some time. And yes. it's like 40 something cents or something like that today. Is it ridiculously low? Yes, it is. It's up 9%. Oh my God. Alex Beckrose takes the mick out of uh, Cardano holders. It always amuses me. Uh, <laughs> uh, Alex See, he's still a lot, it's underperformed the market when the market was going up. It's actually followed the market on the market going down. It's down by two thirds from its from its height, which obviously if you look at the other layer twos, that's similar sort in a similar sort of drop, 84% from its all-time high. It'd be good to touch to touch base on a little bit of traders' psychology here and investor psychology. Obviously, at the moment, there's a lot of people turning around and saying, I, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Market's mm -hmm. gone down, you know, there's no intrinsic value in Bitcoin or there's no intrinsic value in ETH. I think what we need to take into account is, is, is a bubble that we're in, very, very similar to the stock market tech bubble that we saw in the 2000s. And, you know, we saw everything rocket up as we have done in crypto. And then we saw massive pullbacks. And then we saw companies go bust. And obviously we're seeing coins go to the wall now. Only the best will survive, and it's a case of DCAing into the projects that you believe in, but do your own research. Now, obviously, a lot of retail investors don't do their own research. They all follow their friends, and they're like, I in, and they tend to ape in at the top because they, they want, but they've got too much confirmation bias. I, they need to see it going up before they actually put the money in. That's something that, you know, if if you take anything from this podcast, is basically you shouldn't be buying at the top of the mountain because when you're at the top of the mountain, there's only one way down. That's how you need to look at the charts. Most charting software has an option to view it as a mountain. And if you view it as a mountain and the price is at the top, then look at where the bottom of the mountain is, mountain, mountain is because that is where the support is. That is where... The professional investors are buying. I mean, the professional investors are not really worried about where Solana is at the moment with the price because they got in at cents. So they're, they're still, you know, God knows how many X up compared to your average retail investor that, you know, may have bought in at $100 or more. So I think, I think it's a case of 
little and often, and then you're going to capture the market at the right time. And the, the best way to describe to the views is this. If we have a coin at $1, we're just going to keep it really simple for prices wise. And we uh, effectively buy at the top of the market. That means obviously we just got uh, one coin. If we, for instance, only bought 25 cents at the time, at the top of the market, then we just get 25 cents. But then the market tanked as it has now to, say, for instance, 25 cents, as in $1 is going to get us four coins. So then obviously when it goes back up, then we're going to have more coins because it's all about the number of coins. It's not about the price. And this is what people really, really need to, to, to look at is how many coins can I get for the price if we're going to be in it long term. And realistically, for Bitcoin or for ETH, realistically, you need to be looking at five, uh, five years, right? Same with Flux. You need to be looking at five years. And if you look at it that way, then basically, as we're coming down now, I mean, if we take the Bitcoin scenario, if you'd have 67,000 and you just put it all in at once, you'd now be pretty much uh, looking at a considerable loss on your investment. Whereas if you just said, right, I'm only going to put in $800 a month and just DC in until that is run out or 8,000 a month, as an example, you would be a lot, lot better off because the risk side of things that you're taking is a lot less. And obviously from that point of view, you're going to be sleeping at night a lot easier. You're not going to be panicking when the market moves by 10% as it does on a regular basis. And overall, long-term, the actual risk to capital, I, at any one point, how much you are, are risking, as in the drawdown potentially you're going to see, is going to be less if you're buying at the best average price rather than market timing. No, no one can get market timing right. Not, I don't get it right. You know, obviously, we write software to try and get it right. And... You know, nine times out of 10, we might get it right. But that one time that we don't get it right, if we were sticking everything in, we would lose a considerable amount of money. We were in Luna, uh, but we sold most of it back in November. We were still in Luna when it tanked. We obviously lost that. But because we'd mitigated as risk, we didn't lose a massive amount. I know people that have lost millions out of, uh, you know, the loony scenario. And it's very terrible what's happened there. I'm sure it's all going to come out in the wash as in, you know, potentially people might end up getting brought in front of a car. I, I think if we can learn one thing from the lunar situation is, is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. It's something that I do think people need to learn from. So is there any new projects that you're aware of that are exciting that you want to talk about? In the crypto space? Um, yeah. The only thing that I'm enjoying particularly, I mean, just because I'm a, I like those, I'm one of those like weird people who likes those work as play games. Um, so I like, there's a game which was on Polygon last year um, and they, they were like 75% of medics traffic at one point last year. And the which developers, uh, Sunflower Land. Sunflower Land. And there's a very famous game called Stardew Valley, which was made by a kid who worked at McDonald's and he sold like 5 million copies when he was 23. 
um, this game was sort of modeled on that idea. It's it's it was called Sunflower Farmers last year, SFF, yes, and then now it's called Sunflower Land. They just recently relaunched about two months ago. And because when they launched, so many people were into it, so many people were opening farms, there were a lot of budding. So they, they just shut the project down for like almost like two months and to create some sort of anti-botting systems and the relaunch. I'm having fun because it's it's a very, it's only in like version 0.336, something like that. But there's, you get to do your harvesting, there's NFTs and stuff, but they're moving towards a, a version of the game where you're, you're like running a sort of pixelated farm somewhere and you're making eggs and you can sell your eggs to somebody who, who needs eggs on OpenSea somewhere. But it's just weird fun for people who there's no action or anything like that. It's just planting your cabbages, harvesting your cabbages, taking the chickens' eggs, giving them wheat, that sort of stuff. That is the, the end goal of the game. I'm enjoying that. The developers are really, really communicative. It's They've got some interesting tokenomics as well. They've Tokenomics with play to earn games are a big problem, but they've figured out some solutions behind that. I don't know how long that solution is going to last, but it's, it's interesting. Um, definitely something for people to sort of look into if they're interested in it. Um, and it's definitely a bit better in the sense that there's, it's very accessible you, to open up a farm as like 10 medic. Um, uh, now there used to be 0.1 medic before or one medic. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's a cheap game. It's interesting just to sort of it's a very accessible option compared to like Axie Infinity uh, back in the day. Anyway, X is pretty cheap now. You come across Pegaxa? I've heard about it. I haven't actually looked at it. That's NFTs with horses. You touch base on something that is a big issue within um, NFT gaming, which is the emissions. Obviously, as they print the token to pay you, that has uh, effectively an inflationary pro- uh, effect i.e. the token goes further down. So it's, it's an interesting one because obviously there's been quite a bit of discussion on this as to how to solve this. And um, in a sense that, to point this out to viewers from a point of view, whenever you're looking at potentially an interesting project to look at, potentially hard to invest in is how do they earn their money? How, what is their tokenomics? Because the fact of the matter is, is if they're just going to print tokens, but there's actually no real earnings fees behind it long term the project will fail and pegaxi is is a prime example of that and when we first got into that um in fact it was my son that got me into it he's like dad can we invest in this uh and i'm like uh he showed me these 3d horses and they were pretty amazing the actual graphics on them is actually pretty amazing and we got in and then the the price of the token just absolutely tanked from 80 cents down to two wow and it's funny actually because when i first got into this uh with my son we were like uh, and this is all a learning thing crypto is a learning thing and obviously i've i've learned a hell of a lot uh i've made some mistakes uh along the way made money and i've lost money and in this instance we lost money and obviously we bought these horses and I bought these horses, I think I paid about 2000 a crack. And these horses now are going for like five, ten dollars oh. uh, I know it's they've absolutely tanked. And the people behind it manipulated the system in their favor, but not in the favor of the users. And I think it's to raise 
caution basically when we're looking at these games because it's like, you know, how do they earn the money and how are they paying the winnings? And if the answer is they're just printing the tokens, like Peg Axie was, then it doesn't take a genius to work out we're going to end up with um, with trouble on our hands. And like I said, we we ended up uh, we ended up we've ended up buying two horses. We bought two horses, and then someone was like, "Oh, we're going to buy some more, Dad. Should we buy some more? Because we're we're earning money at the time. We were earning money, and I'm like, but the horses are going down. The actual horses is like, I can get this horse for seven hundred dollars, and it's like it was twelve hundred. I'm like, yeah. That doesn't sound too good. And like I say, it went down. So whenever I'm looking at games, and it's, it's, just, a, it's just something to look at, is, is if there's a transaction fee, if they're earning money, like Flux is a good example from a point of view of, of a, a protocol. They charge people to host websites. So we know where their income's coming from. We know how they're going to pay us the mining fees for the uh, offer the nodes, the node fees, because obviously we're host, we're effectively providing the hardware for hosting a website. So it's a hardware as a managed service, and that works really well. And I can see there's a really good future there. But sometimes when I look at these games, and another really popular one is on Avax is Krabada. Krabada, yes. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens on that one because. When when we were jumping out of Peg Axis, like Dad, let's let's look at let's look at Krabada. He's like, and I'm like, how much is a crab son? He's like, eight thousand dollars. <laughs> Next, I'm like, yeah. I said, I'm like, let's see what happens with Krabada. But I don't know what it's at now. Let's have a look. Uh, the actual token. Oh my god, the token's down at one cent. Gee. So that was up at again, caution to the wind, two dollars eleven back in December. So it's now at one cent, uh, one cent. Damn. It's nearly two cents. It's just like, I'm like, oh my God, this. It's dropped 99.5%. But Krabada is probably going to be one that does actually survive because it has a big following. So it's like, is that an opportunity now? And this is obviously where we need to look at. I mean, I certainly wouldn't say Pegax is just because of, of the people behind it have, have effectively just stripped out the cash with, with what they've done, with how they've changed the structure of the winnings. As an example, we've got, we've got 18 horses sharing the winnings. We're now going to make, uh, we're going to now change it to 25 horses. So obviously then you see a reduction in, in earnings. So obviously if you are then doing your calculations and saying, right, I, I'm going to invest because of X, because this is what the potential is. And then they do that. I think that's totally wrong. I think you need to plan it properly when you're doing your white paper and say, right, this is the return on investment. This is what's going to happen. And you shouldn't just keep on changing it. And then what they did is, is so everyone bought all these expensive horses and they said, right, all those expensive horses are now going to be crap. As in, they're not going to be able to win races and we're going to give all the crap horses the great statistics. So they're going to win, win races which just totally screwed all the earnings up. So it is interesting on these games. But yeah, Krabada, I am a, I am a fan of Krabada, but obviously now, now might be a time to be looking at it. And uh, I wonder what the, horse, what the Krabadas are going for now, because they were... I'm very curious as well. So we're 16,000 Tuss. What is Tuss at? Right, okay, so... Yeah, 16,000 Tuss. As the yeah. base price. 
is it? That's the yeah. best price. Right. Well, then, tre- that's treasure under the sea, and that is not even one cent. It's not even. It's zero 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 seven six. Wow. That's affordable. Have you done the calculation? Twelve dollars and twenty four cents. Oh my god. <laughs> and and the next promise on that. <laughs> the next biggest one I think I saw was seventeen thousand. So even that there was a few at seventeen thousand tusk. So even that would be so that would be thirteen dollars between the the floor price and a whole bunch of them at seventeen thousand. So even one of the leaders still hasn't solved the emissions issue. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the. I think the gaming sector's got vast potential. And I, I think if people can work out the tokenomics and the white papers correctly, and I think it's, there's a lot of work that needs to go into it, then I think we've got a really interesting industry that's going to evolve over the next five to 10 years. And I think you'll see the likes of Microsoft uh, jumping in and buying up the top stuff. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. I'm big, big investors. Interesting, Microsoft is a... I've noticed they are a sponsor of Solana. I did not see that. That's cool. Yes. So I have seen that uh, on a few Solana stuff, uh, it's actually said that they're supported and sponsored by Solana, uh, by, by Microsoft. So it's interesting. Google's not got involved in crypto yet. They're staying out of it at the moment. So it's like, well, when, when, when are we going to see them invest? I mean, if, if you've looked at it, though, like um, going back like two years, right? Google was like, nope, no crypto ads, no crypto wallet ads. Uh, Facebook was the same. And then now we've seen Google sort of expand that option where you do you can advertise for crypto with Google's Google ads system. So that's kind of like a step in the right direction. Can you so, advertise with Google now? Can you? Yep. Oh, wow. You can do crypto ads. It's, it's very much similar to Facebook. You can't, there's no like ICOs or IDOs, but if you're advertising educational content, like, like what you do, uh, what I do as well, no problem. As long as you're not selling anything, no problem, like finance or something like that, they pay, pay, they pay Google ads for Google ads right now. So you search for like cryptocurrency exchange in some countries, depending on your local laws, uh, you'll see a paid ad for Binance or Coinbase pop up at the top of Google. Wow, I didn't know that. Because I know that over here in the UK, just putting my marketing hat on now, you can't advertise on Facebook crypto, you can't advertise in Google, but you can do, like you say, the education. Mm-hmm. We'll touch base on that uh, from a point of view. Do, do you do education then over there then? Like my, my part of my job as community managers, I do YouTube and podcasts for about, um, so I like I do new segments about the constituents of our index tokens. So I talk about Chainlink and the graph and, I research news and I put them out like uh, once a week or so. I see. And then you advertise on Facebook, uh, yeah, pushing them to the YouTube channel about it. Yeah, it's. I don't know if you've seen it. Like the last probably like one year or so, I get like uh, Radio Shack NFT adverts, and uh, I get NFT and crypto ads all the time on Facebook now. It's it's terrible. I think the latest one I saw was something to do with Macallan whiskey, and you buy an NFT point zero point four F. You get an ownership of this McKellen whiskey keg, which is interesting. And you own this whiskey producing barrel for the rest of your life. And I get all these sort of crazy ads and NFT ads on Facebook now. Do you? That's interesting because we don't yet. Now, interesting. What is your YouTube channel? 
it's just the name of the podcast is pretty much actually just my background um is just it's the inside crypto um it's where i i do interviews and stuff we don't get to talk about mining though because i've never had a mining guest on my show which is very very sad but i get to talk with lots of different people programmers developers we talked to somebody in marinade finance for for msol i've had a bunch of people on in the last year or so it's been pretty fun awesome well i will come on your podcast i'm on yes oh dude you should come and we can talk about flux and flux nodes because i'm very interested in flux nodes um and how yeah 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 yeah. because i watched uh what is that guy my friend john or my friend my crypto friend john some guy on youtube and he was big into flux and i've been researching it for a while and he made a lot of money in flux um in fact i think he's you know he was he was pushing quite a few schemes wonderland and all sorts of stuff oh yes i remember when he pushed wonderland as well but he 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 did lose unfortunately quite a bit in that but he, he's made a fortune on flux i mean the thing is with flux is i like flux because a lot of the crypto schemes are ponzi and people are attracted to really attractive people is the best way of putting mm-hmm. it so exactly when I say to you, I've got 1,000 APR, you're attracted to that because you're like, oh, my God, that's an amazing res- uh, you know, return. And then, obviously, your blogs comes along and says, oh, I've got 2,000 APR. And then you're thinking, oh, man, I'm going to put money in that. I mean, just look at the Tomb Forks as, as a prime example. Yes. But Flux, they've always been straight up, and they've always said, look, we're never going to give you amazing returns. We're going to give you fair returns but there's a good chance that the coin will do very well. Now, the coin when, you know, back beginning of 2021 was like $0.09 cents or something like that. At the peak of this, it went to over $3. You know, that's a massive return. And obviously, if you staked $0.09, cents, your node wouldn't have been earning you any money, but you'd have got in at the right price. But now, say, for instance, if the price was $1, you'd be earning a fortune off your node. So it's a bit of a waiting game with Flux, but it is, um, it's certainly one that I can see is going to do well because I see it as hardware as a service. I'm investing in the hardware. They pay me Flux. They're then going to go and sell my hardware as a service to other providers and make a markup. It's a great model. They don't need to find physical cash. Me and you provide the hardware. We've got the cash. We see a return on investment. Boom, jobs are good. Everyone's a winner. I think it's one that's going to do well. I think privacy coins are going to do well this this year. I think it's like you said, right? The the I think the theme of today's podcast could be like fundamentals when it comes to projects and protocols. If something has good fundamentals, that's something to sort of consider as you're looking to sort of explore the current state of the market and where you want to go in the future. Absolutely. So then we're coming towards the end of the podcast. We've covered quite a few different subjects this week, which is good. There's a bit for everyone this week. If you're interested in mining, obviously we've covered a bit of mining. Interested in index coins, we've covered that. If you're interested in just what's happening in the markets, we've talked to you about that. Hopefully we've allayed a few people's fears. Think long-term, do not look at short-term prices. And on that note, I'm going to say, uh, where do you want people to go after this podcast, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash amunkrian. Uh, I'll send the link to you afterwards. You can find me on the podcast. I do like a live radio show thing. It's like a new app. 
called Wisdom. It's only available in the States. It's called, uh, I do like this morning, Taiwanese morning American evening show where we take questions from the audience and people always ask like, oh, how do you mine? And um, how do I do this? It's very easy question. So if you, if you ever wanted to ask questions, I do that as well. That's pretty fun. Uh, but a bunch of places, but mainly Twitter, um, mainly the podcast, YouTube, those would be the three places. Awesome. You've got some great stuff on the Twitter feed. We need to get more followers for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. And it just rem remains for me to say thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, let's keep in touch. And I'll speak to you soon. For sure, Chris. I definitely want to have you on to talk about Flex and Flex Notes and what you're doing. That's out of the world. Yeah, I know. It's all exciting stuff. We, we love our Flux. And we've built and designed mining machines specifically for Fluxes. Uh, for Flux. Oh, God. So we've, we've pretty much tested every single card on the market and we know pretty much what works what 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 gives you best return on investment when it comes to flux that is some valuable knowledge right there cool right well thanks a lot and i'll see you soon bye for sure. now bye thank you for joining me today and listening to this episode as i've gone on my crypto journey myself over the last couple of years i'm all too aware of the overwhelming amount of information available online when it comes to investing in crypto so thank you for choosing the easy crypto podcast it means a lot to me hopefully what i've shared today will help you on your investing journey just like it did me there's no reason why you can't go and make use of what you've learned today straight away i'm living proof that these secrets and strategies i've shared with you do work please by all means feel free to share this with someone else you know who could benefit from it that's the quickest way that we can build a collaborative community where we can share tricks and strategies which can turn our crypto investments into big profits. In the meantime, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss the latest tricks which could transform your crypto future. Every week we'll be covering a different aspect of crypto investment so whether it's NFTs, mining or the metaverse, you really can't afford to miss out. Thanks again for tuning in I'm Christopher Hitchin and this is the Easy Crypto Podcast and I'll see you next time.